Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I am recording in a different location, everybody. I am actually recording this while on vacation. This is a first. I was just trying to double up my workload last week in the professional life, trying to get all of the content scheduled, ready, and done that I knew I couldn't record SSP stacking slabs in advance. So I wanted to do an episode. I wanted to keep things consistent. It was a big week. There was a lot of things happening, especially in lanes that I like to operate in. So, got a cup of coffee in my hand. It is sunny here in Southwest Florida, Sanibel, if you will. Shout out to everyone who got the opportunity to take a vacation. We had not gotten away since the baby was born. So, this is a nice escape. Got a little helping hand, uh, helping hands, I, I, I guess, while we're here. My folks are here. My sister and her husband are here. It's nice. It's beautiful. Oh, my goodness, man. I went on a run this morning. And it was just, it wasn't too humid. It wasn't, was, I wasn't sweating through my shirt. It was nice and cool. The weather is pristine. I've been going um, to Sanibel ever since I was a little kid. Shout out to anyone who's been here and also, I got to send some love to the Lazy Flamingo, man. You want to talk about wings and doing wings right? I mean, this, is, this place is an institution, okay? So I have been eating and consuming their wings ever since I was a wee bit lad. And every time I come down here, I'm like, you know what? There's no way they're going to be good. They're going to fall off the table. There's no way they can keep this consistency. And always, first, first place we're eating when we're down here, it's, that's my request. I want Lazy Flamingo. I want the wings. And man. They were good. I put them on. I put them on my own personal Mount Rushmore of, of chicken wings. Okay, and I, I, I'm a very strict grader when it comes to quality and um, sauce and the ratio and all of that. And this is what I like about it. I like it. It's got the quality of meat down. The style is is is. You've got the the grilled and fried thing going on, but not too fried. You've got the sauce is excellent, so it's a take on the traditional buffalo, and I like the traditional buffalo take, a little hot. If you want to go crazy, they got the dead parrot wings. Those will blow smoke out of your ears. Man, I'm glad I'm on vacation, and I'm glad I'm getting the opportunity to communicate and talk a little bit with all of you. I um, I'm going to enjoy this time. I've got a lot on my mind, so let's just get into it. I have not had a chance to comment on the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time. Had a highly enjoyable week or weekend last weekend watching both nights. Um, I think it's just, it was a, in the modern era, it was one of the, the better WrestleManias there's been in, in a few years. So enjoyed that. I think for me, I, the Bianca and Becky match was just outrageous it was just such a banger a wrestlemania match i won't soon forget you can't deny the debut or reappearance in the wwe of cody and that seth rollins match was just awesome 
I said like the way they booked it, the Bianca and Becky match, and then went into the Cody debut and then the Cody Seth Rollins match. I'm not sure I can put together a better stretch. It was like an hour, a little over an hour long in WrestleMania uh, recent memory. That was my, my, I was, I was busting at the seams. I was fully excited. I'm juiced up. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You had Logan Paul who, I honestly, like, you know, I have never really commented on Logan Paul, but man, this guy's made for professional wrestling. He worked his ass off, looked like a wrestler. He had that Pokemon illustrator um, around his neck, highest, you know, modern card ever sold or whatever. I mean, he he just knows what he's doing. And then, you know, Matt McAfee, and he was awesome. Stone Cold returned. It was just a, I really, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it, it was a really solid WrestleMania. And... You had WWE Prism coming out on the other side of that. And I think everybody inside and maybe even outside of the um, wrestling card community's head still spinning around that product. So I am going to spend the end of this episode talking a little bit about my mindset. And I want to tell you, and I often preface this, I think you don't need to be a wrestling card fan or a wrestling card collector or even care about wrestling cards to kind of maybe take this perspective that I'm about to share because I want to talk about the experience that I went through this week that we all go through when there is new product and there are new people entering. So I'm going to share some personal experience to close out this episode because I do think it's important. I'm on vacation, so I'm going to get through this episode at a probably, uh, who knows, but I'm going to try to move through it. Um, Got a lot on my mind, so let's get into it. I want to say like from a football perspective, I know basketball's going on right now, and it's 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 we got the playing stuff. My Pacers are uh, stink fest to close the year, but it's stink. I told my dad this while on break. It's okay to be tank season, stink fest, as long as there's a future ahead. And I think with if they didn't make the move for Tyrese Halliburton, I would be a little concerned. But they did. I think there's there's uh, um, some reason for optimism that the Pacers have not had a top ten pick since 1989. So if you want to talk about the definition of um, just being mediocre and, and going by for so long, the Pacers have done that. So now with this draft coming up and the Pacers have a, um, you know, we'll have a high draft pick, maybe a couple. Um, we uh, will see what happens on the other side. But it was an interesting year as a Pacers fan. And it's just been an interesting NBA year in general. I think I have, you got the playing games coming around. It's, you've got like teams that are in the eighth and seventh seed that, you know, like you take a Brooklyn, for instance, it's like the Brooklyn, now they're hitting their stride. They can go make some noise and it's kind of all bets are off. And I think this is one of those seasons where anything could potentially happen and there's no clear cut favorite. LeBron's not going to be involved, which is another story we could probably spend the whole podcast on. Um, but there's just so much with this NBA season that I found just interesting and different. I, I will say, and I, I don't post a lot of kind of mainstream NBA content. However, I'm an athletic subscriber, and I was reading an article by John Hollinger on uh, on Jokic, and I'm the type of NBA fan. I've got league pass, but I find myself a lot of the times after AEW is over with, um, I'll watch the NBA games or wrestling on Monday nights over with, I'll watch the NBA games. So I found myself watching Denver just in that late night spot a lot and just you know, he is watching him play is unlike anything I've ever seen. And you layer in the stats, the analytics, everything he's done. And he's a uh, he's a special player. One of potentially, he's having one of the best seasons in NBA history. And I think it's 
while you do have guys like Joel Embiid, who is an absolute force to re- be reckoned with in a, in a monster, um, you and you've got Giannis, and you've got all these amazing seasons. I think uh, Jokic is definitely the guy that uh, I think should take home the MVP. I think he's doing things. I I always appreciate guys that are doing things that have never been done before, and we're seeing that on full display. Having everything run through the center position, um, <laughs> this guy is incredible. So, I you know I think he's doing this also without key members of his supporting cast out. Um, he's a guy that it's not traditional. It's a little unconventional, but that's the type of athlete that I like to watch. So I have just a little remark on the NBA side. I will be watching the playoffs. I don't know who's going to win. I don't have any predictions, but I'm just ready for some good basketball. Speaking of ath- the athletic, which is a just, I don't know what I was doing for so long. I held out, but I'm an athletic subscriber. It's where I'm getting all my Sports news and coverage, the in-app experience. So the in-app experience of The Athletic is kind of a pillar of, from my startup, what we're aiming for for the on the B2B content side. I think they just have an amazing experience, awesome content. It is articles that are founded by data, analytics, facts. They've got great podcasts. I might as well give me a referral code, Athletic, so I can get some of these people on that are stacking subs, listeners, to, to, to join the party. But I have just been consuming so much via their platform and mostly football related. And I feel like the football coverage is so good and it feels like it's been a year round uh, content stream that I'm getting at. And the NFL, like I think about the way the content and coverage and the way the season is um, constructed from the Super Bowl ending to all the things that happen in between to the season starting started starting and it's just undeniable that if you are a football fan there is enough with the draft free agency OTAs there's just enough meat on the bone to keep you invested and so I think about this and I think about this a lot from the standpoint of football cards and it makes sense that things are elevating and things are moving if you looked at card ladder data from today all the way back into this time next last year the market as a whole their index is up 115% which is it it makes sense and it's it's just undeniable you just think about the amount of attention and eyeballs that are on football and then now are moving over into football cards and i think um it's exciting and i think all these this off season has been unlike any others with all the trades and all the free agent signings and the splashes and those are the types of things that i think keep attention on a sport and also get people to open up their pocketbooks when there's a change of scenery and a new player in a new location like Russell Wilson playing in Denver and you've got Devontae Adams now in Oakland and you've got out of nowhere Tyreek Hill in Miami and I'll even say my man Matt Ryan in Indianapolis and there's so many in between. But I think the movement is something that the NBA is accustomed to in the speculation game. And I think this is getting layered on in football like it's never done, never had before. And one of the things that stood out to me in my conversation, I'm going back a couple of weeks, but with Mikey, uh, from, you can check him out, Mikey.SportsCards, is he said on the show that people who are entering football cards um, or have been here coming back into cards feel like the home runs is to buy the guys that came out in product that were rookies when they entered. So these are guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and even Tua and his markets going up based on what's happening around him. Um, Kyler Murray. Um, and so these were the guys that were rookies when they got back into the hobby. And I think about 
that from a basketball perspective for me. And it's just like, okay, well, like Zion and Ja, when I got back into the hobby, those were the, the, the mainstream rookies and everyone was chasing them and new products were designed ar- around them. They were marketed to the, us in the community. And so those were the kind of mainstream athletes. And I would say like rookies will always make the needle move here in the hobby. And, but it, it like that caused me to reflect a little bit. And I, th- I think about that and I think about just like being at the Dallas show last May. And I think about walking through the entire show and I just think about how many Justin Herbert cards were in there. And I say this in no disrespect because obviously Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl this year, Justin Herbert. They're building an amazing supporting cast around him. I think they're going to add some horsepower to, for him in the draft. Trust me, we need receiver help in Indy. So I've been glued in on all of the wide receiver coverage that's been coming my way about the draft. The Chargers, same thing. You can't add enough pieces there to help support Justin Herbert at this point. But I think about these things and I think about buying these players and I think about if I were to go buy a Joe Burrow card or I were to go buy a Justin Herbert card and for me, it would fall flat. Okay, so I would be buying at a price that is so high right now that they would have to do something dramatic in order for that card to go, get elevated and me sell it in, a, in enough time for me to go take that money and go buy a Peyton Manning card that I really believe in. And I think the whole, the mainstream of the hobby is doing this. It's a, they're going and they're they're wanting to get attached to these players and they're hoping that they keep moving and you know then either it's a money thing they go up and then they sell them and then they keep this thing moving and I think that's great and I think there's so much of the hobby is about the speculation game but then I think about okay well if all these people are doing it not everyone is going to win and it's all about the price point people are getting it at and that really matters so I think about all this movement all the fluidity. And I think about the collector. So we like undeniably, whether you're a, whatever your role is in the hobby, you buy cards because we want the value to go up full stop. But from a collector perspective, that's not everything. I think for me personally, attachment and association is huge. Attachment and association with players is going to cause me to open up my wallet, buy a card, and there is something about owning that card where it's not reliant. And I don't think, okay, for me, this to be a successful transaction, I need them to go out there and throw for 400 yards. And I need that them to win, you know, 12 games this year. And then I can see a 300, $400 bump in this card. And now I'm happy. The happiness for me begins at, it starts at the beginning when you're, you have these moments where you're like, okay, I feel an attachment now I'm going to go pursue. And the pursuit is around a a curated collection of a player or players that give you that attachment. I don't want to spend money on guys who I don't have an emotional connection with. I think the emotional connection and irrational decisions that we make because of this emotional connection are a huge reason that the market moves. However, don't really get talked about a lot, right? We're too used to the, the mainstream headlines of, this young player's national treasure card sold for $125,000 at fill-in-the-blank auction house. And that's what grabs the attention. But to me, it's the emotional connection and the rational decisions that are happening in the underground are the reasons that people keep coming back and people keep staying. And I've been in this situation as a collector over the last three years in a row, having a brand new quarterback here in Indianapolis, okay? 
So the connection and the attachment starts with my team. Now, the most important position in on my team has been a, a little bit of a turnstile, okay? So you take these things for granted, right? You have the years of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and you're winning you know, 10, 12 games every year. When you don't have that anymore, things quickly change. And we're feeling that a little bit in Indianapolis. However, I will never not be a Colts fan, okay? Never not, no matter any circumstance. I will always be a, a fan of my squad, always. I will always, based on my emotional investment in that squad, want to have pieces from the, let's just, we'll use the WWE line here, then, now, and forever to represent that fandom I have. Now, what's the most important position that is the most collectible? Well, it's the quarterback. Ding, ding, ding. So from my perspective, it was these this emotional connection that drove me to go and pursue the new guy who was behind center on my team. Now, this was no, it wasn't just because that the fact that there were new quarterbacks for me to say, okay, I need to go spend money here. There was a lineage in my collection that needed to, that was already represented. And if I want to think about the now, I need to represent that. So, you know, I got the Peyton cards, I got the luck cards, then it's then it was Rivers, right? Okay, you had a little Jacoby in there, but then you then you had Rivers. And so Rivers, I was really shedding my skin on this mainstream stuff when Rivers stepped in. And I didn't go too hard, but I did buy a gold prism. And the interesting dynamic for me now is I'm buying his charger cards because of how strong of a connection he made on me when he was here. I actually, this past week, I posted a, his 2011 Crystal Atomic Refractor, which is my, one of my favorite f- freaking football parallels ever. It's cards kick ass, okay? First year out of 139. I had a safe search set up. I saw a Philip Rivers card. It, it's a money, money, the photography on its money. And I just had to have the card. So I had to have the card because it was, it reminded me of, although he was in Chargers gear, he was such a heel when he was playing the Colts. He, he kicked our ass, okay? We never beat the Chargers during his era there. But when he put on the blue, he went from a heel to a baby face to me. And now it's like, okay, well, I want to represent a little bit of this guy's career in my collection. And it's about the cards, right? It's the I, I appreciate that parallel. I appreciate that player. The dollar value, value to me makes sense. So that's going to enter my collection. So there is an emotional connection there. Then, you know, Rivers takes us to the playoffs. Great year. We sh- could have, should have, would have beat the Bills, but that's, that's another story. Then what happens? Rivers retires. He goes, coaches high school football. Then what do I do? Okay. Then we sign Carson Wentz. And I don't need to go into a big ordeal about that working out. I will tell you is my irrational decisions probably got the best of me, but I'm here to talk about it. Okay. (laughs) I think um, I bought a lot. I think if you look at Card Ladder from when I started buying his cards to now, the market was down 58% on him, okay? But at the time when I bought those cards and the optimism I had going into the season, yeah, there was a little bit of an emotional connection because he was my new quarterback. Yeah, there was a little bit of optimism. Yeah, it might have been a little irrational, but it felt good at the time. And it didn't really work out well. And so we got rid of Carson and I got rid of my cards. But then what happens? Well, you'd think, well, he can't possibly do it again. And I can do it again. I can do it again. And so I have been 
buying Matt Ryan for the same reasons I was buying Carson Wentz before. It's the optimism. And you know what? I don't give a shit if Matt Ryan doesn't necessarily work out. And Matt Ryan and I end up losing money on these investments of Matt Ryan because they're investments in my happiness. They're investments in my optimism and my outlook as a fan. And that's what I love so much about collecting football cards. It's about attachment association. And it can be football cards, basketball cards, baseball, hockey, WNBA, Pokemon, WWE, AEW. Go on and on and on and on and on. I think there will always be charts and there will always be prospecting. Win, lose, or draw, I found that the moment of true connection are when you're buying a player you believe in and have a strong connection to. I still think there's so much fun opportunity in Hall of Fame football collecting. I see people out there. I'm going to shout out an account and a page that I've been really enjoying, Flippity Flip Cards. He's a wide receiver goat collector, and there's not another page that I've really seen that has been so dedicated to this lane that he's focusing in and i open up his page and i see jerry rice and just randy moss these just incredible cards and i just think the more we can think on our own and buy cards that we love and have an emotional connection to the more fun we're going to have in the hobby and the less noise we're going to hear from the mainstream i want to thank lauren lf goalie 31 brady collector who joined the show last week. If you didn't already, I highly encourage you go check that episode out. Had a lot of fun talking with her. Man, the Brady community is strong. All of them came out to share that episode and uh, comment to me. And I just loved it. So I'll, I'll have Lauren back on. That was a ton of fun. This Friday, we got a little bit of a, a different play here, but it's important, okay? And I'm going to tell you about this. I said this a couple of weeks ago and I, I try to keep my promises here. There was when the week, WWE Prism was was getting ready to drop. Fanatic swooped in with their whole this is going to we're going to take over the WWE license. It's going to be shop, it's going to be NFTs, it's going to be cards, all the stuff. So they try to take a little bit of wind out of Panini sales, okay? Well, this spun up a bunch of narratives that are that happened or people were saying about this is the only year of Prism and it's just like if you just would have read the press release, you would know that's not the case. So what I wanted to do was get somebody from Panini on to chat about what's actually going on. So that's what I, I'm doing. This Friday, uh, DJ Kazmerzak, the VP of Sales and Product Development at Panini, he's joining me on Stacking Slabs. Get someone from a manufacturer on the pod to talk about this, what's happening. Talk a little bit about WWE Prism. That's what I'm closing out this episode with. Talk about what's happening how that came to be, but then talk about what fanat- this means with fanatics coming in. I'm going to bring that episode to you. I think it's going to be cool. I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear, some- hear from someone at a manufacturer about their perspective on what's happening with a future competitor or a current competitor, or however you want to position it. Um, but yeah, I- I- I'm bringing this to you. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. So make sure you tune in on Friday for that conversation. All right. Let's close it out with this, okay? So the topic here is new product madness and the management as a collector. So I have been messaging and communicating about how much fun I've been having with modern wrestling cards ever since I started the show. Go back, listen to the tape. It's there. It's the primary space I operate in because I love it. I had been thinking about this and for me, it's about the connection, okay? So the connection for me, 
you all know I'm a big wrestling fan, been a wrestling fan my whole life. And I was actually chatting uh, with someone about this in the community, but just like, I love cards. I love wrestling. Okay. So it's my like, it's been my escape before even cards. So if I had to choose going into next year, would I rather go to the national or would I rather go to WrestleMania in LA? I'm probably choosing WrestleMania in LA. And I was having a conversation with another collector about this. It's just how I am. It's how I'm wired. It's my passion. And so are sports cards, but that's a whole nother discussion. Wrestling. It's, it's always been the escape for me. It's a way, way before I got back into cards, and cards to me are the icing on the cake with my connection to wrestling. So I knew people were going to come running once prison came in. But wow, I, I did not quite expect what we have seen and what's transpired. I've gotten DMs this past week from people who I never even thought would sniff wrestling cards. I'm getting DMs asking questions about it, which is great. I think it is always good for markets to expand new people to come in and just more conversations, ideas, and collectors. I'm all about expansion. I also think Prism is a hell of a drug, okay? Prism is a hell of a drug. And I think that brand, we talk a little bit about this with DJ, that brand is pretty damn strong and it is a magnet for new people coming in. I think I have certainly been, as a champion of modern wrestling cards, been very, very mindful about how I communicate about what's happening in the market based on the prism drop. So I wanted to share my experience, okay? So my experience here with prism is I thought I was going to be able to spend a few thousand dollars and buy some golds of guys and gals that I really appreciate and love right out of the gates. Not the case, okay? We saw monster sales right out of the gates. AK Andre, Stone Cold 12.5, the whole color blast thing with Cena, and that's a whole nother story. Gable Stevenson 14K card. I mean, it's just been bonkers and it's still bonkers. But I sat here and I watched, I'm watching all of these sales happening. And I sit back and I know how much, how strong FOMO is. And I've been someone who's championed wrestling cards, modern wrestling cards forever. But I find myself sitting back and saying, this seems like it's a little too irrational for me. I'm looking back at Topps Chrome cards. I'm looking back at Transcendent cards, and I'm comparing prices of what's happening. And to me, it said, I said, man, I don't know if I can jump all in right now. Not because I don't have confidence in modern wrestling, but I'm just not sure that the people who are coming in, who are spending the money right now and are making these prices elevate to the level that they are. And believe me, been someone who's been following the market forever. This hasn't happened. It's happening because of Prism. I'm just want to mitigate risk and make sure that there's a card out there for a thousand bucks that if I just wait a month or two, that I can't just get that card for 500 or 400 bucks. That's what I'm up against. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't opportunities to get cards that are non-gold, that are still numbered at reasonable prices. I actually do think that. So for me, I just kind of built my list of guys and cows that I like, safe searches. And instead of hitting buy it now, which I did, I bought it now, a couple of cards out of the gates and I realized, okay, you know what? If I want some of these cards, serial numbered cards, I'm just going to wait for them to go up in auction so I can see how the market really feels. So that has been something for me. Not spending, overspending, but having a budget and saying, if these cards do come up, Here's my price and we'll see if I can get it. The other thing that stood out to me, and I think this is a conversation that I had 
that um, you knew you know who you are, um, listener of the show who presented this to me, but and it was something that I was thinking. I saw like a stone cold. I don't remember which parallel or what it was. It was a gold, probably something autograph sticker autograph. Everything's a sticker in prison. We all know that. But I think about that, and I saw one sell for you know thousands of dollars. Okay. And then I just think about like a, a month ago, how I bought for under $1,000 at Stone Cold Transcendent from 2019 on card, beautiful autograph that can't fit. The, the, the autograph is so beautiful, it could not fit on a sticker. And so when I started to think about this and connect with other collectors, for me, it was, all right, let's be rational here. Let's see like what's happening with Prism. Let's go look at some of the old safe searches and stuff that you, you've had. There's a card. I'm going to share it because I'm on vacation. And I haven't gotten it. And I'm, when I'm home, I'll share it and I'll post it. And I'll probably you know, do a little companion piece to this episode in the copy. But there's a card I bought. Okay, So I spent a, a the prism drop, the noise. There's a card and it was unique. And it was one of a kind, I'll just say, that I ended up buying this past week. And I bought this card. It was a card I had want, want for a long time, but I just couldn't justify like quite spending it. But then I saw what was happening on Prism and it was validation. Okay, now it's time to buy this card. So I always say turn left when the market is going right. And I think if you're a wrestling card collector and fan, now is the time to turn left and go. Now I'm not discouraging to go jump into the Prism because it's fun, but also but be careful. What I do want to say, if it's wrestling cards, if it's any other product, the hype, don't get caught up into it. Always and forever go look, turn left and look because there's always something sitting out there and happening. And if you do spend time on it and you don't have FOMO, you can realize quickly that there's a lot of other plays that make a lot more sense and are less risky than it would be in jumping into the eye of the storm. I love wrestling cards. I'm excited about what's going on and I will be watching and be talking about it and thinking a lot about it. But man, just be careful on launch week and launch day. Things get crazy. We already seen that with the V friend stuff. You seen those Lameem James posts? I know I have. If you like what you've been hearing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend you're enjoying Stacking Slabs. DJ Kaz Merzak on the pod from Panini America on Friday. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.